So uh, my wife is homesick, so I can say whatever I want about her. Um, she's probably watching. I, <laughs> um, no, that's a, actually a joke because I'd say whatever anyway. Um, years ago, I've, I've been married for a little over 22 years, and um, I, it's often struck me as kind of interesting because I, I officiate weddings as well, right? Like I, I, I do this as a part of my job. And, and there are two very different um, approaches that you see uh, on, on like to the, to the wedding service, right? There is, there's the bride's approach, and I actually have a picture. This is my wife on our wedding day. Um, my wife lost like 45 pounds before our wedding. Um, she ate well and exercised. She went out and searched forever for the perfect dress. And like it was, she's like, well, it's July and Houston is going to be like 140 and it's going to be 100% humidity. And so I need the, you know, and she picked the right dress and, and she got her hair done and her nails and she looks just beautiful, Right. I, I had a suit in my closet I put on, and I, I found a Winnie the Pooh tie on clearance that I thought would be pretty cool. And, and I was told I had one responsibility. Our car at the time was an old Saturn, and the, the battery was shot, and so you had to push start it. And my wife said, if you push that car out of the parking lot at our wedding, I'm not going with you. And so I had to do that. I had to get my hair cut, so I went to, like, Supercuts and spent my 8 bucks to get a premium haircut. <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Like, I, <laughs> I, uh, and, and actually, the, the battery, the day of, I woke up, and I remember thinking, oh, man, I need to go to Sears and get a battery. And so, like, I was late to the, to the, the church because I was buying a battery and installing it in a parking lot. Uh, nearby, and in fact, there's a video somewhere of us walking in, and you can hear the collective sigh of relief because we <laughs> because we were late. Um, and and the difference in attitudes here. Now, watch this. Um, my my wife approached our wedding day as as a big deal, right? She wanted to stand there looking her absolute best, and she wanted to to present herself like in this perfect way. I showed up which was good. I screwed up my one line, which was I do. I, I haven't heard the end of that. Um, but I, I, I came at the whole thing with a very different attitude. And I, looking back, I kind of wish I had put a lot more effort into it, um, whereas our, our culture has built this whole, um, this whole industry around brides preparing for weddings. And, in fact, they have people who do that for a living, Right. Um, they prepare women for their wedding day. You, you know, we're going to plan everything, and there's 10 million different little things, and you got to pick the right ornaments for the tables, and you got to pick the right snacks and the right food, and whether or not you're going to serve food, and what the gifts are for the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, and what does the cake taste like. And I did show up for the cake tasting. Um, <laughs> and all of these other things, all of this stuff to be ready for that day. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about this for a reason, okay, because we're going to be w- finishing up Peter, okay, very last of Second Peter. It's four verses, um, so it should only take me about two hours. Um, and, and as we finish up Peter, we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about weddings a little bit and preparation. Um, and, and in reality, a chunk of what Peter is talking about here is this get ready because there is a big day coming. 
right? Because he's writing to this church that's having problems with some false teachers. And these false teachers are saying, Jesus is never coming back. And because Jesus is never coming back, there will never be a judgment. And so do whatever you want. Sin, be drunk all the time, eat too much, um, sleep around, whatever. Do Live how you want. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Like It doesn't matter because Jesus ain't coming back. We are on our own. And that was this school of thought and this teaching was infecting the church. And Peter, throughout this letter, has been just hammering on this idea. Jesus is coming back. The day is coming. You need to look at this and be aware and keep your eyes on the fact that the day is coming. You know, he will be here. You need to be ready. Um, and there are two approaches, I think, that a lot, a lot of times Christians take in regards to this. I, like, we, we look at it and we say, well, one day I'm going to, like, meet Jesus. He's going to come back. There's going to be this judgment. There's going to be all this stuff that happens. And I'll worry about that later, right? And we're going to wake up on the morning of and say, man, I need to get a new battery. Because <laughs> if I have to push the car out, she's not going with me. Um, and there are those who approach this as, I need to be ready. Like, I need to, I need to grow. I need to prepare. I need to, I need to make sure I look good in my dress. I don't plan on wearing a dress, um, but it's the analogy. Um, and, and so these are the two approaches. And as we look at the end of Peter's letter, I'm going to tell you the big thing that's going to come out here is um, this idea that we need to be ready for the day, right? And like my wife and I, we were engaged and married in a very short period of time. And so my wife planned all of this wedding stuff in just a few months, um, and, and she, was, she was ready to do this wedding day the day of. I mean, she had everything nailed down. But she planned and she organized and she worked and she made sure that everything was perfect. Um, and so let's dive into Second Peter here. Um, we've talked about a, little, a little bit about the letter so far. Um, actually, we'll skip the background stuff. We kind of covered all that. So last week we ended at verse 13. And we're going to pick up there because it plays into 14. Um, So Peter writes, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So what Peter's saying here is, look, um, we are living our lives with our eye on tomorrow, right? Not with our eye on today. I mean, today is important, but like today is the route to tomorrow, like today is the route to heaven. Um, when we were traveling uh, uh, last week, I guess we were traveling. There was the first airport that we got laid over in was in Seattle, and uh, Josh and I walked around the airport. and And Josh wanted to buy souvenirs at every shop we went by because it was an airport. and And I think there was one point where I stopped and I'm like, "Buddy, this is not the place we're going." <laughs> Like, the airport is not the destination. Like, we are on our way to, to, to where we're going for vacation. This is, like, the trip. And so if Peter's, like, finishing up, he's saying, listen, the trip is important, but the destination is what matters. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a period of time where, actually, not even a period of time, there will be an eternity that we will spend with the Father, that we'll spend with Christ, that we will live in his presence, and, and that is what's coming. And so understand, we need to be ready for that day. That's what we're working toward. The wedding day is coming. And I use wedding day on purpose because when Jesus talked about the second coming, right, he talked about it like a groom coming to the wedding. 
Um, and, and in the ancient world, a little bit of background here, some history for those of you guys who like that kind of thing. In the ancient world, if you set up a wedding service, um, the groom did the preparation. And so the groom planned the party, right? The groom planned where you were going to live. And actually, a lot of times, the groom would spend his time like building a house for you to live in, and that would be like the trigger point. Oh, house is done. Let's go get her. Um, there would be all of this preparation. When he was prepared and ready, he would go and get the bride. And there would be all of this fanfare and all this announcement, and they'd blow horns, and it's the wedding day. you know. And, and I imagine they'd do some planning because you had to invite people because these parties would last like a week or two. Um, they were no small kind of affair. Like people really, really got into this sort of thing. And the bride, her job was to kind of hang out and be ready, right? Hang out and be ready. Um, and the groom did this work. And when it talks about the second coming, we hear where Christ says, oh, well, I am at my father's house preparing a place for you. I am at my father's house. Like I am, I am coming, but the time is coming and I'm preparing for this. And he'll show up like this bridegroom, like coming to collect up his bride, which is the church. That's how the, the scriptures over and over again, we see the church referred to as the bride of Christ. Right. And that's on purpose because, because, Christ loves the church. Christ loves us. And he is coming to collect us like a groom coming to collect his bride. And so the bride in our culture prepares, right? She prepares. I, 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 all right, so I'm a, I go to the gym a lot. I know I've never mentioned it. Um, <laughs> but I, you can always tell somebody's like engaged because they start showing up every day because they got to make sure they fit into their wedding dress. Right, like they look forward. I've got X number of days to be prepared, and they start doing this stuff, um, or or whatever. I mean, they start doing these things like to be ready. And and he's saying, listen, the day's coming. Be ready. So fourteen. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So now Peter is winding up his letter. Right. Interestingly. This verse and the next one, there are some phrases that are from chapter 1 because Peter is kind of, he makes his point up front and now he's doubling down, right? And he's saying, listen, when you get there, you need to be ready, right? If brides, do we have anybody? Yes, we do. Can I? Is that all right? Byron, if you show up on your wedding day in jeans and a t-shirt because you're not ready, it's going to be embarrassing. True enough? Um, if, if you show up late, it's going to be a problem. If you, (laughs) um, there's this preparation aspect that goes into it. And for us as believers, that means that I'm going to, I'm going to see the son of God who poured out his blood on my behalf. I'm going to stand with like the man who accepted the wrath of God in my place. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend eternity before this God who keeps such a close eye over me that not a hair can fall from my head without his will being a part of it. That's the God I'm going to see. And I don't know what day that's going to happen, but I've got to keep an eye on it and be ready. You know why? Because it will be the most important day of my life. And I'm here to tell you it's going to be the most important day of your life too. Weddings are amazing on a bunch of levels, but most of all, the thing I love most about weddings is that they point to this coming of Christ. 
this joining forever, this, you know, the hero who won his bride. Like, this is the day we're looking at. And so we as God's people, Peter reminds us, we as God's people, be ready. Be found spotless, blameless, and at peace. This spotless and blameless, these two words in Greek are very closely connected. The general idea is wash yourself, make yourself clean, present yourself as holy, right? Um, we live in a culture that doesn't take that kind of thing very seriously, right? I, I have heard on many occasions, what you do that does not hurt anyone else is okay, right? I've heard people argue that, oh, well, you know, well, you can look at pornography. It doesn't hurt you, so it doesn't hurt anyone else, so it's okay. But that's not the case because, like, if I'm going to stand before Christ, i got to say, well, I was ready for you. You know, I was prepared to be yours. And I didn't run around on you. I didn't cheat on you. I didn't chase after all this other nonsense. I didn't roll around in the mud. I didn't um, lust after, you know, after women. I didn't do all of these things because I belong to you. Um, spotless and blameless. The thing is that we're made spotless by the blood of Christ, right? I can't earn my salvation. I can't be clean and holy and pure by my own efforts. Like, totally impossible. I, I might as well try to, you know, swim across the ocean with weights tied around my ankle. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, I cannot on my own. I am spotless and blameless because Christ died for me and I belong to him. And so in making every effort, I'm growing in this relationship and I am investing myself and putting my effort into it. And this is not an instant thing, right? Like I, I am forgiven, I am made clean, but I have to grow, I have to be better. Um, I have to mature in my faith so I'm prepared to be with him. Um, when I got married, I did not have a job because I had gotten fired from my job the week I got married. I was about to stop living in the house I was living in. I <laughs> had a lot of student debt. And so I walked into my wedding day as unprepared as possible. Still got married, which does maybe make an argument that my wife isn't the smarter of the pair of us. Um, <laughs> I should have been prepared, right? I should have been prepared, and I wasn't. In the same way, I should be prepared. I should grow. I should mature. I should invest and chase after. Um, how do we do that? Well, part of it is we worship, right? Part of it is we grow. Part of it is we learn. Part of it is that we study and we talk to God. I mean, these are all things that I did in advance of getting married. I mean, some of y'all are married, right? And you, you did things like have conversations, I'm just checking, right? Went on dates. Knew what your spouse or future spouse loved and was invested in, right? Didn't date other people. <laughs> Spotless and blameless means prepared. It means trained up. It means growing. It means everything else. Um, it is bigger than today, right? If your spiritual growth is all based on the... 22 minutes that I speak every Sunday morning. Nobody's paying attention because nobody caught that joke. Um, <laughs> I'll just let that percolate a moment. 
you need to do more preparation, right? Um, we grow by spending time with God. We grow by worshiping him. We grow by doing hard things. Honestly, sometimes God helps us grow by putting hard and difficult situations in our lives that we have to face and lean on him to get through, right? And then at peace with him, meaning that we're not like constantly at war with him. Um, There was a period of time when I was drunk most of the time. I was at war with God almost constantly. I was not at peace with him. I'm really happy that he didn't come back then because I would have had a much rougher future. Um, So he goes on, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. Okay, so now Peter's about to shift gears and chase after a rabbit. So the rabbit trail is about to start. But bear in mind, the Lord's patience means salvation. This was in our previous passage where he says, listen, God is not slow in coming. He's patient, wanting people to be saved. And so he's saying, listen, God is taking his time in coming so that you have time to be ready. How many of y'all brides got to the week of your wedding and thought, man, I just need three more weeks. Nobody? <laughs> I'm sure my wife said that. Um, I, it gives us time to prepare and it gives us time to share the gospel because there are people who will stand before God and he will say, I never knew you. And, and our job is to take as many people as we can with us. Just as our dear brother Paul wrote. So Paul, Peter's about to jump over and talk about Paul. This is a really cool little passage. I thought about just preaching this text on its own, but I'm not going to. Um, so he starts talking about Paul. He says, now on the subject of Paul, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in, all, in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So he steps over here and he talks about Paul for a minute. Like, hey, this Paul guy, he has got his act together. And he writes like his theology is all uniform and it is all nailed down. It is all put together. It is all this, it is all that. And a lot of it is hard to understand. By the way, this is the best self-esteem moment I have had this week, reading that Peter had trouble understanding Paul too. Because Paul is tough, man. <laughs> um, so he says, listen, Paul is doing all this stuff. And so Paul is saying, Peter's saying, listen, Paul agrees with me, right? Now that's, that's strong because it, first off, it tells us that Paul's letters were around and people knew who he was. Um, Paul may have been like a part of establishing these churches or visited them, but at a minimum, they have his letters. And Peter's saying, Paul agrees with me kind of to bolster his argument because people looked at Paul and they said, Paul is solid. Paul knows his stuff. The other thing that might be going on here, and this is a guess, but watch this. Um, In the text earlier in the book, like we read that, these false teachers were saying, hey, doesn't matter what you do, sin as much as you want, it doesn't count, right? It might be the case that these false teachers were taking some of Paul's words and saying, if we're no longer under the law but under grace, and if we're given grace every time we sin, maybe we should sin even more so that grace may abound. Like, so we'll get even more grace. If I sin more, God will forgive me more, and that's wonderful. That's pretty dumb. (laughs) I love when my wife forgives me, so I'm going to act even more rotten so she'll keep forgiving me. Nope. 
And it might be the case that Peter is pointing to an error that these guys are taking out of Paul to support their false teaching, right? But Peter's saying, listen, Paul over and over and over and over and over again says, be holy, grow in your faith. Jesus is coming back and be ready because he's coming back and you need to be ready when he gets here. Peter is pointing out, Paul is in agreement with me. And like anybody who's taken Paul's words and twisting them and making them into crazy things to support their crazy teaching, like those guys are wrong and they are in trouble. Um, Not only that, some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. To their own destruction, meaning if you plan on walking before God with some very clever teachings that aren't scriptural, there's, it's not going to end well, right? It's not going to end well at all. Um, I, I, really, I really enjoy um, – oh, let me get into that. Sorry. These false teachers are taking stuff that's going to lead to their own destruction. They're telling people, hey, live however you want. Sin all you want. Um, in the modern church, this abounds. I mean, you can go anywhere and find this. People saying, you know what, God's number one priority for you is to be wealthy because he says that anything you pray and ask for in my name, you'll receive. And so obviously you're supposed to be rich. Or, um, I mean, because that sounds like what that text says, right? Except it's not what it says. In fact, I listened to a sermon a while ago, years ago, where this guy argued that Jesus was very wealthy and lived in a mansion. It's not what the scriptures say, but he took one line and twisted it, Right? And so part of how we protect ourselves is we know stuff. We read. We study. Um, Peter emphasizes the same way in all his letters, meaning like we look at the whole thing because the scriptures agree with each other, right? And so we look at the whole thing and we judge based on what the whole of the texts say. We don't take one thing out of context and turn it into some kind of nonsense. Um, Here's one last thing, and this is just a bit of trivia, and it's easy to miss. Which ignorant, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. As they do the other scriptures. So he's implying that Paul's writings are scripture. It's kind of cool, isn't it? So, like, there is this trend right now where teachers will say, I actually read a teacher, like, wrote this, like, prominently this week. I don't care what Paul says. What does Jesus say about this? Because Jesus doesn't mention it. Therefore, whatever Paul says doesn't matter. Nope. (laughs) Peter tells us that Paul is scripture, right? And like, actually, if you read the book of Mark, you're basically reading what Peter had to say about Jesus. So what we know about Jesus, we know from like Peter and Matthew and Luke and John and like these guys who wrote scripture. And he's saying, hey, Paul, my buddy over here. He's scripture. Um, Mark was Peter's like assistant, and he basically wrote out what Peter had to say about Jesus. That's didn't mean to anyway. So he's saying, listen, Paul is scripture, and so as we prepare, as we study, we don't just say, oh, what are the red letters? What does that say? Nope, it's all of it. Every word, every jot, every tittle, we take it all seriously. Seventeen. Therefore, dear friends, so he's done his Paul thing. Started out with the wet, you know, the Jesus is coming back, be prepared. 
hey, these guys who are mistreating Paul's work, ignore them like because they're nuts. And now, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away with error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 25. Y'all are familiar with this one, right? Um, this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. This is right before the crucifixion. And he talks about the end, the end of the world. And there's this great pair of parables. There's actually three of them, but I'm only going to talk about the first one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him, and the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Um, I actually have... I have a picture. I brought one. If you want to see it after the service, I was like, oh, I have a lamp. I could use it in an illustration, but it's way too small. Um, ancient lamps were these little vessels, right? And you would pour oil in the top, and you would put a little wick inside, and you would light it, and it would burn and smoke like crazy, and your house would smell bad. Um, and if you needed light at night, like the electricity in, um, in the ancient world was like about as bad as California's. Um, and so... You know, you, you had no easy lighting at night, <laughs> um, and so uh, you, had to, you had to have these lamps, and you would have these teeny tiny little lamps, and you would carry them around with you, and that's how you would see stuff. So you probably wouldn't do much reading at night because these are just not that bright, right? And so these virgins are, like, prepared. Their groom is coming, and they're supposed to be ready, and when the time comes, they're not ready because they kind of blew off their responsibilities. They were just not ready. Um, as we talk about this, like Peter said here, Bex, um, you've been forewarned. Be on your guard, right? Don't chase after nonsense. Don't get tricked. Don't get confused. Don't fall asleep. Don't mess it up. The groom is coming. The wedding day will happen. Do not ignore it. Take it seriously. Um, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To them be the glory now and forever. Amen. Um, and so he says, listen, be prepared. Don't get dragged off. But instead, grow in the knowledge, our grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is our application in all this? So we've talked about, hey, guys, Jesus is coming back. We need to be prepared. Jesus is coming back. We need to train. Jesus is coming back. We need to know the scriptures so well that some guy who pulls Paul out of context can't trick us into nonsense. Right? Um, be so prepared that like when the moment comes, you're able to resist temptation or overcome your flesh or not blow up and like destroy everything around you. Anybody ever do that? Like you start, I, I feel like I'm apologizing 90% of the time personally. I, I hope to one day be good. Um, 
the idea here is, um, and Peter's closing with it, be ready. Day is coming. Be ready. The wedding day is coming. Be ready. Christ is coming back. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Because you will not be able to go out and buy a cake the day of. Right? You will not order flowers the day of. You will not get your hair done the day of. He is going to show up and we'll be prepared or we won't. Um, growing in the grace and knowledge. The knowledge of our Lord Jesus is that, right? It is the knowledge. We live in a time and a place you cannot imagine the blessing that we have and the amount of like, like opportunity to know Christ more, right? I have... This is one of my Bibles. I probably have 60 of them, right? Different versions, different translations, different kinds of notes, different this, different that. Um, I have so many Bibles that, like, sometimes I get frustrated because I can't find the right one in with all of the Bibles I own. Um, There are parts of the world where folks have pages of Bibles, and that's it. Um, If I'm curious about something, I, I was this morning, I was like, hey, I wonder about this oil thing. I wonder if there's a symbolism to that. And I spent about five minutes in my online library, and I spent about five minutes with Google, and I sort of like nailed down some ideas and got it in my head. And, and we live in a time where you can do that. There's so much to eat, right? Um, but there are a lot of believers who never, ever, ever lift the spoon because it's just too much work. Grow in the knowledge of Christ. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is all over the place. It is so easy. There's so much of it. You can come to know him in amazing and intimate ways. It is astounding. Grace. I think grace here is a reference to like us becoming, first off, in our grace, like receiving grace and becoming pure and becoming whole. But I think part of this is about transformation, meaning grow in such a way that you are able to like and knowledge kind of has this it's not just head knowledge it's lifestyle knowledge and I think part of what he's going at here is he's saying listen as you prepare Jesus is coming back be ready for the day Um, grow in holiness learn to love your neighbor learn to serve people who nobody's going to serve learn to pray for folks who don't deserve to be prayed for right y'all know folks like that right who are horrible (laughs) Like, the idea of praying for them more or less makes you want to go punch them. Um, Learn to love those folks. Um, Learn to be Christ to the world. Like, our calling here is, and where Peter is going, and as he's closing out his letter, and this is the very last time I'm going to talk about Peter, is um, train, prepare, grow, fill your head, fill your heart, change your life, be ready for the day of, because Christ is coming back. Um, And my challenge to you is, are you? Um, Are you? Are you growing? Are you training? Are you putting any effort into this? Or is this something that's on the sideline and you're going to have to go buy the battery the day of and show up late to the wedding because you're kind of irresponsible and not really an adult yet? Like, are you growing? Are you serving? Are you being Christ? Are you growing to be more like Christ? What are you doing? My challenge as well is, if you're in category number two and you're going to, you know, wing it the day of, um, don't. And don't make this into a New Year's resolution where you're like, I'm just going to show up to the gym from here on out and you never get up and do it. Right? (laughs) I'm going to walk out of the door and I'm going to grow and be a new believer. Do it. 
Let's close in prayer. I'll let you all go. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us today. Um, help us to, to be people of your word. Help us to be people who grow in grace and knowledge of you. Um, Lord God, I pray above all else that we'd be ready, that, that nobody sitting in this room would, would wake up the day of and say, oh man, I forgot to buy oil for my lamp. Oh man, Christ is here and I'm going to face him and I am just not ready. I pray that, that we would all know Christ in a way that, that is heartfelt and goes to the core of who we are, that, that saves us from, from our own sin and our own brokenness. I pray for your grace and your mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good Sunday, folks.